It's time for another episode of Bass Edge Radio, bringing it to you this September 15th, episode number 240. Episode number 240, that is right, Kurt, and it is, of course, presented by none other, guess who, Mega Wear Keel Guard. Be sure to check out all their products at keelguard.com. Aaron, I'm super excited today's show. We got a lot to cover, bringing back an angler from almost four years ago since we've had him on the mic, so uh, should be a lots of fun bass edge radio stay tuned moving forward right now you know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology keel guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour providing the most dependable most trusted keel protection for your boat guaranteed for life so give your boat the performance edge put on the protection the pros pick keel guard keel protectors Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. In three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. September 15th, Kurt. It's kind of that uh, teeter-totter place to where the fishing is on the cusp of getting really, really good. That's but I right. hope uh, I hope at least for my benefit it's going to get really good here in about four days as I'm heading yeah. to Bull Shoals. So uh, need some topwater action going, you think? Topwater, no doubt, man. This is the time of year. You know, we've got a little bit of water temperature changing. Not super drastic yet, but it's definitely falling from those summer highs that we had back in August. And I really feel like the light in the day plays a big role for these fish to really move. We've got the bait fish high. They've been high since August with that oxygen content and those things that, that we talked about last episode with uh, Michael Neal. So topwater time, dude, my favorite topwater bait. I love the cover water quickly with a walking bait. Really like the Ima Skimmer Grande. What about you, Aaron? What's your favorite topwater bait this time of year? Uh, certainly that is one of my favorites. I mean, I guess I would be a fool if I did not talk about the Whopper Plopper, right? The bait that seemed to take everything by storm, including my what I consider my home lake uh, yes. that Watson put the hurt on. But um, Buzzbait certainly ranks up there, Kurt. But the other thing that I really kind of enjoyed last year is is just throwing a fluke really, really fast and kind of mm-hmm. keeping it on top to where it has that top water ripples every once in a while, but then it goes below and then you bring it back up. I've had a lot of success on that that I don't think gets it fair share of press. Yeah, and a great bait in those clear water situations where those fish can see that from a long way away. Nice, subtle approach. So, uh, lots of fun fishing this time of year, for sure. No doubt. And hey, we've got to jump into, because I've been chomping at the bits ever since we uh, got on the air before we started
started recording this morning and you were going over kind of the layout of the show and that. What, okay, what's what's this surprise that you have, you know, that, that that's coming? Because evidently you told me you're going to make somebody's day today. That's right. We are going to make somebody's day. And it's because great feedback from our listeners. Don't forget, you know, send in those questions. You can send them in through BassEdge.com. You can send them in through our Facebook page. You can also send them in through our Twitter handle. You can also just send us an email to support at BassEdge.com. Get those questions on the air for that O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. Also, it's just great to have your questions answered by some of the best pros in the business for sure. But I tell you what, here's the special deal today. We got a question from a guy in Virginia. It's actually a guy that I know, and um, he, he sent in a great question to the show, and I'm going to read it real quick. It comes from Mike Grogan out of Williamsburg, Virginia. He says he fishes the Chickahominy River, and he runs shallow flats more often than not to get to the fish. He recently bumped something while running and did some minor damage to the leading edge of his skeg. He says, I've repaired it and I've repainted it a few times, but I'd rather be fishing than making these little repairs. I don't see many pros using covers for their skegs, but have to think they also must nick up their skegs more than I do. Would you recommend using a product to protect a skeg? And if so, will he see any performance loss? Aaron, go ahead and give Mike the answer to that question. Well, that's a very easy question. And one, I will say for for once, I think in the 240 episodes, one that I'm actually qualified to answer, Kurt. But uh, <laughs> no, certainly the skeg guard. It's, it's a MegaWare Keel Guard product. I have ran one for uh, ever since they've been involved with us. But yes, he is correct. You do not want to try and be welding on that cast. It's, it's just not very fun and it's very expensive to do. And without having a proper skeg attached, your performance is just going to be greatly hindered. Slides on, you drill two holes, it goes right into the skeg. Even if you're missing part of it, guess what? This thing is going to take care of all of that. Concerning performance issues, I spent numerous hours in the boat with a mercury technician engineer that uh, we actually hooked a computer into my boat and did some testing on it. We would actually take the skate guard off, run it without, and then put the skate guard back on. The long and short of it is, on all the technical analysis and data that he printed out, there was zero performance hindrance on running a skeg protector such as the skate guard. There's only one in the market. That's the one to have. Easy application. Do it yourself. Ten minutes, I promise you, it'll be on. And the other good thing is not only while you're running, but if you're like me and you forget to trim your motor up and put your motor toter on when you pull out of the garage, you won't drag it all the way across up the driveway and leave a nice big mark going up your driveway. Well, I got to say, you know, just fishing the James River, I, I've got me a little skeg rash, <laughs> a little little prop rash to go along with. That's, that's part of running that shallow water. But so here's what we're going to do. We are going to send Mike Grogan a skeg guard from MegaWare Keel Guard. We're going to get Mike on the show after a couple months. We're going to get some feedback from Mike, letting us know what he thinks of the product. So uh, congratulations, Mike Rogan. We're going to get you that skeg guard out there as soon as possible. Appreciate you sending in that question. Bass Edge listeners, don't forget to send in your questions to the show. You never know what it might lead to. So uh, this should be fun, man. We'll bring this up in an episode in the future for sure. It's always fun giving stuff away, Kurt. And, uh, you know, this is just one of those feel-good episodes because we have a unbelievable guest that's coming up. We do. The, no, no, I don't even think it's arguable. It's just the no, best. No, no, there's no doubt. There's no yeah, doubt. Yeah, not even arguable. It's just the best bass angler of all time. Stay tuned. He's coming up next in the Angler Spot. 
Well, here we go, Bass Edge fans. It's been since March 2012 since this angler's been on the mic with us. We've got tons to cover today with the world's best bass angler, Kevin Van Dam. Welcome back to the show, Kevin. I can't believe it's been that long, man. <laughs> I know. Like Definitely been a while, and uh, certainly uh, we're going to have to frequent this more often than not. And, you know, Kevin, probably part of that is is because you're obviously the best bass angler that's out there. That's indisputable. But media types love to kind of exploit the sensationalism of performance. And certainly I do not want to fall in their footsteps, but you've certainly had your fair share of performance highs and lows over the past several years. And it seems that you've really climbed back into the driver's seat over the past 18 months. Have you perceived any changes, you know, that you can kind of pinpoint that has really put you right back to the form of your dominant years, you know, 2008 through 2011? You know, I'm not really doing anything different in my mind. A lot of it is timing and circumstance. As good as all the anglers are now, and they continue to get better and better. You see guys almost without fail now, you know, do their best or, you know, have a chance to win when you go to a body of water that sets up both on location and timing for the seasonal pattern that really fits their strength. It's hard to luck into a win anymore. I mean, you know, to fall into something and to get out of your comfort zone. The way that it is now, you you got to be spot on, you know, from start to finish to get a chance to win. And, you know, I, I've been close. I've had some good finishes here and there, but everybody puts such a focus on winning now that it's so hard to do that, you know, when you when you do get that opportunity, you got to make the most of it. Yeah, that's for sure, Kevin. It seems like, you know, like Aaron said, you've been back in the driver's seat over these past 18 months. And you had such gigantic, let's put gigantic success, uh, not only early your career, but really in that, you know, kind of 05 through 2011 time frame. Do you feel like there were so many other pressures as far as promotional? You look at like, uh, you know, you walk down the aisle at Bass Pro Shops, you see the Strike King aisle. It's KVD everywhere, right? And it's awesome to see because of the astounding success that you've had. It warrants it there because, let's face it, you've caught so many fish. You've done so well, and that performance was there. Do you feel like some of that promotion and um, some of those other things maybe took away from how you were able to attack or concentrate more on the competitive side of the sport? I've had that for a, a long time. Um, you know, I don't get to pre-practice, but I haven't done that really ever. So it makes a difference. I can tell you that. And it always has. And, you know, I mean, for time, I've been able to overcome a lot of that. But really, you know, people say, well, hey, what's wrong the last few years or what's the difference or, or whatever? A lot of it is is just a little thing, you know. I mean, this season, you know, I fished the lead event like I would any other tournament when, you're, when you got a chance to win and you want to try to win. And, you know, on the third day of that tournament, I only caught five keepers all day. And, you know, they weigh 25 pounds, but I mean, I caught my last one with 10 minutes to go and you don't get two of those bites. You know I mean? You stick to your guns and try to fish a pattern to win and it doesn't work out. And all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're down in the standings and, and that's been the difference is I've fished that way, truly fish to win. I mean, when you have that chance, you have to do that. And a lot of guys say they do, but in reality, they don't take those chances. And if you're if you're going to take risks, you're going to fail. That's just the nature of the business. And that's just kind of what has happened in recent years is, you know, you have the missed opportunities and things that just don't quite work out. And your finish doesn't really show how close you might have been there with a shot to win. And then all of a sudden, you get on a streak and all of a sudden, you know, things 
do roll your way or, you know, the, <laughs> if the teeter-totter balances the opposite direction and you win. Right. And, that, and right. that's really the difference. I mean, I think for the average fan, they, they don't really understand that. Even people that are really close to the sport don't really get that. I, I've, I've learned that this year, just how disconnected, you know, people that are even pretty close can be to reality that the guys that truly understand it is the hundred plus guys out there on the elite series that live it every day all season long and know the the trials and tribulations and the ups and downs just how competitive and how tough it is well kevin the win at, at toledo seemed to be kind of a different type of situation king on fish that were deeper on your signature fast paced you know cranking techniques what made that event come together for you? And the other question is, how difficult is it for you to, you know, stay out when so many fish were being caught shallow? You know, that is a huge strength, and certainly the mental piece plays a lot into that decision. Yeah, you know, you got to go where you have your confidence at, and that was a time where the fish were coming to where I was going, you know, where I, where I wanted to be and where I was fishing. The high water kept a lot more fish shallow. And that's really when you can really exploit a pattern is when the majority of the field is, isn't looking at it. And not necessarily the majority of the population of the fish aren't necessarily there either. And when it's coming to you like that, you know, that's what you try to look for. You know, I always try to practice and plan towards the end of the week. Um, knowing that things are going to be better. And it it doesn't always work that way. You, just, you can't make that happen, but you have to think long-term. And, and a four-day event is not like a one-day event. And I think that's why a lot of guys really struggle when they first come into, you know, the AAA or the pro ranks is, is the difference between fishing and practicing for a one- or two-day event compared to a three- or four-day event. It's not easy to do. I mean, to catch them four days straight, it's so hard. I mean, it <laughs> it is. And then... You know, there's there's sometimes when you can make it look easy, you know, and that doesn't happen very often. You know, it's like Justin Lucas, what he did at the Potomac River to be able to have that dominant of a win going into the final day and, you know, come in early and, you, you know, you, you know, you know, you've got it in the bag. That is so rare for that to happen. I've had it happen a couple of times in my career, but, you know, when you have a, a special event and a special day, you really got to sit back and kind of savor it because it's so rare to have that happen. Yeah, I think, too, in, in that particular situation, it's, you know, the special spot and he had it all to himself, which typically those types of things are, you know, they get crowded real quick in elite events. So uh, definitely uh, very interesting how that boiled out. Kevin, let's let's chat a little bit about some major league fishing. You know, people that watch the uh, Summit Cup on the Outdoor Channel earlier this year out of uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin. Man, you annihilated it <laughs> the last day. And um, it's really interesting to see how the Major League Fishing kind of sets up. You know, one could easily say that if they've watched you on the water, uh, your pace, your pace uh, of fishing far exceeds the pace of 99% of other anglers out there. And does that really kind of key on some of your success? not only the experience that you have on all these bodies of water because you've been doing this for so long, but your pace of fishing. Does that really help you in that MLF style format? Um, I think it fits me real well. 
Um, you know, I think it's pretty obvious when you watch the guys that are power fishermen first, or that's their go-to strength. They typically do well, you know, and for somebody that is more methodical and, and a slower paced, more of a dragger, worm fisherman, a guy like a Creed or a Mark Davison, nothing wrong with the way they fish or anything, but it's just when those guys do well is if they can sit down in an area that's got a bunch of fish, they're really good at capitalizing on them. And, and those tougher events, you'll, you know, you'll really see them shine. But in these places where you got vast amounts of water and you got big populations of fish and you can fish aggressively, you know, the Mike Iconellis of the world, the Edwin Evers, he, Edwin's really good at covering water, Jason Christie, those guys and myself, you know, I mean, you keep hunting until you get into a comfort zone and then you can exploit it. So I think what's really cool for fishing fans and for the fishing world is Major League Fishing and Bassmaster Live. Those two things have really changed the way that people view competitive bass fishing because you see so much of it. What I love about Major League Fishing and I'm a fan first, believe me. I've watched every episode of every major league event, you know, selects all of them. I've watched every bit of it. You see so much action there. And that's kind of the same thing with the Bassmaster Live is you don't miss anything there. You know, I mean, you see every cast, you see the little things guys are doing, manipulating their reel or the way they're working a bait or what, you know, exactly what they're throwing, things like that. You just don't miss anything there. And that, that's what's great and is what's really changed you know, I think for the fans is the way that it's produced and uh, the content. And and I, I would say that Major League Fishing, when it came out, it really, um, really raised the bar in television production. And when the Bassmaster guys came up with the live thing, I mean, it just, it's so addicting to me to watch both of them. It's crazy. No doubt there, Kevin, and I agree, first a fan, and that kind of begs the question, you know, I I know you're a sports fan, and most of Bass Edge Nation enjoy, uh, you know, kind of the the other sports as well, and so kind of looking at your career from an analytical standpoint, and diving a little deeper in one of the comments that you just made, talking about the style of the fishing, and just the sheer pace, and maybe the physical and mental demands on it, does that have a shorter shelf life, per se, of the style, because you and I aren't that far apart in age, I know if I physically try to fish at your pace i physically couldn't do it let alone catch a fish do you see that having to your style having to adjust based upon kind of your tenure you know at the helm of the boat um eventually it does i mean there's no doubt that just like all sports it's physically demanding and you have to be able to keep up a level of fitness and uh workout regimen that can allow you to do it and you know i've been competing now for 26 years so i've been doing this for a long time but i've watched other guys have to change you know mark davis you know went through some things with his elbows and his shoulders where he physically couldn't go out and throw a 10 xd if he had to during those times and and you know larry nixon the same way i mean he's a good friend of mine and he's been through the, the same thing so age catches up with everybody eventually and and it will me but you know i've been pretty fortunate to uh, i haven't had any serious injuries you know whether it's back or tennis elbow or carpal tunnel or anything like that but that time's coming you know you just can't deny it that you know father time catches up to you eventually and i've been lucky to this point but as long as i feel like i can be competitive out there on the water you know i'm gonna be out there going at the pace that i can but i've seen so many athletes and other sports just stay too long you know but uh, you know, I'm still having fun. I'm um, pretty competitive, I think, still. And uh, I think I got a few good casts left in me anyway. So I'm going to run it as long as I can. I-, I love what I do. 
that's the thing is, you know, I just, I love what I do. I love the competition and um, that's what motivates you. If you don't love it, you're not going to be out there long whether you want to be or not because the competition's too good to eat you alive. Yeah, that's a fact. Hang in there, Bass Edge fans. We're going to be right back with more from professional angler Kevin Van Dam. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Eventually, it's going to happen. You'll turn the key and your engine won't start. Don't lose your ability to get around. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts for a super start battery. Whether it's a reliable economy, hardworking premium, or powerful extreme, you'll find it at an everyday low price. Don't let a dead battery slow you down. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Bass Edge returns with professional angler Kevin Van Dam in our Angler Spotlight, brought to you in part by MegaWare KeelGuard. Be sure to protect your boat from harmful rocks and road debris. Visit KeelGuard.com. Well, Kevin, let's jump right back in where we left off. And one of the comments, earlier comments that uh, Kurt had alluded to was concerning this this pace that we fish. And certainly a good friend of yours and a, and a friend of Bass Edge Project, Mark Zona, when we had him on an interview, you know, your name came up and, and he described the importance of fishing someone's style to make sure you understand your style of fishing and he also said that your metabolism you know is at such a higher level than most others that it makes it physically difficult if not impossible for other anglers to emulate you know kind of running with that theme how do certain situations may or may not fit an angler style and how to overcome it and it appears that you're often moving quickly with reaction baits whereas another angler you know like you spoke of creek or Davis, uh, you know, might be more methodical. What do you feel kind of shaped your style of, of bass fishing to make you who you are? Uh, you know, I don't know exactly if, if it's one thing that shaped it. You know, what happens is as you fish and you start to learn more and you learn different techniques, you gain confidence in fishing a certain way and a certain style. And that's just kind of how I've always done it. That's one of the things that's really intriguing to me as a fan of the sport is watching, you know, Aaron Martins or Edwin Evers or Jason Christie or uh, Gerald Swindle or, you know, these other guys, especially when they're having a lot of success and seeing how they do it. I mean, if you watch Aaron Martins fish, you, I wonder, I mean, not just, and I don't take this the wrong way, but I wonder sometimes how the heck he catches one. He's spending so time <laughs> sitting down in the boat. And, um, Mumbling around. It, it, yeah, it's. It's just, everybody has their own way of doing it, and, and people say the same thing. I've heard it a million times from other guys. that said, man, I don't know how you can fish so fast, you know? And, and to me, I don't seem like I am in a lot of cases, you know? I mean, there's times when I am, but I've also learned that, you know, you've got to, in this day and age, you've got to slow down and you've got to milk places for all they're worth. So, you know, I mean, I'm not scared to pick up a shaky head or even a wacky worm or whatever, but uh, I better know there's, you know, if I'm going to do that, I know that, there's a group of fish there, you know, it's a, it's a good spot that typically I've always found it by power fishing, you know, and that's what you have to do in a lot of these formats like nature league fishing is you've got to get yourself around fish first. And then once you, you know, if you can get into an area that's got a lot of fish, then it's great to settle down with a drop shot or something else and, and make it happen. But, uh, I don't know, it's just my confidence. It's, it's my nature. It's my, uh, how I was raised, brought up, whatever you, however you want to say it, you know, it's, it's my, my background and you just can't change that i i think anybody can manipulate their style to some degree a little bit you can learn new things and we've all done that over the years you know you new techniques come out 
you know, whether it's a, a drop shot or a Carolina rig or a shaky head or a umbrella rig or whatever it is, you, you've got to learn new things and new techniques. And, you know, everything is a science in itself. You know, I mean, every technique is really something that you have to learn, whether it's sight fishing or punching mats or, or deep cranking. They all have a lot of little artful things that separate the guys that are really good at them from the guys that are just average. And you can only learn so much. I mean, you can only do so many things at once. And that's one thing that, you know, has helped and hurt me over the years is, you know, I've always tried to be versatile and keep an open mind. But in some cases, it hurts when you have too many things that you like to do or too many things that you have confidence in instead of just going out there and being like Tommy Biffle and saying, hey, you know, I know that. I'm either going to flip or I'm going to throw a biffle bug and that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, in a lot of cases you can find an area or some locations that that's going to work in. And, you know, he's made it work really well over his career to fix his, you know, his key strengths. So let's take that one step further, Kevin. Let's say we've got a young college angler that's just starting to fish or, or maybe a 40-something that's that's just, you know, discovered bass fishing, starting to get into it. He's listening to Bass Edge Radio or reading Bassmaster or watching MLF, and, and they really start to try and emulate these tactics and techniques that professional anglers are utilizing. How would you coach them to pursue uh, versatility versus concentrating on specific techniques? techniques. Where would you say the right direction is for a student of the sport? We're all students, but for someone that's, uh, you know, less experienced trying to get into the sport to be successful, just catching bass, because ultimately if we're not catching fish, it sucks, right? (laughs) I mean, yeah, no, it's a really good question and something that, um, you know, I've been asked and, and, uh, and I think I got a pretty good answer for it. So it's the same way that I approach it. And, And college fishing is so popular now. I mean, I've got sons just started college this fall and done the college fishing team and and i've got some other real close friends that um, have been doing it for a couple years and i've watched that progression and today there's so much more information out there there's all these youtube videos you can find so much on the internet um you know there's so much more information available to learn than there used to be so when i would read an article in bassmaster magazine about how rick Korn would you know throw shallow crankbaits or david fritz throwing a deep crankbait or whoever it was um, with a new technique i would go out there and try it and don't necessarily take what they say as gospel every little detail but go out there experiment with a new technique a new lure a new seasonal pattern you know something that you can try things whatever it is and through experience figure out what works for you and try to adapt to it you know i mean make it fit your style and so when i first started like with drop shots and things like that it was it was like hey this is a deep water vertical technique you know this is how it works and you got to use just a little finesse worm on it Well, you know, I've had success fishing it that way, but I went out and experimented with it, and I learned that, boy, it's good in shallow water, and, boy, you can put a wide variety of baits on there, and you just learn about it and see how it fits into your own style. And, you know, there's probably nobody that fishes a drop shot faster than I do. I mean, so I've adapted a technique that is very successful for other people, but I I can promise you that I don't fish at anything like Aaron Myrons does. And, you know, he's super successful with it, but... I catch a lot of fish with it too, and that's what you have to do is you gotta learn these new techniques, these new lures, and adapt them to your own style. You know, Kevin, Kurt and I were talking before you came on just about how we will often blame kind of our 
poor performance, what we perceive as poor performance on perhaps lack of experience or lack of understanding of a seasonal pattern or location. But yet we see so many younger anglers that are coming into the sport through high school fishing, through college fishing, that are really excelling with very little experience. How does Kevin Van Dam, who has probably more on the water time on a lot of the competitive bodies of water, who has a vast knowledge and and library of waypoints and everything else, how do you keep from getting stale to look at each kind of body of water fresh to use kind of both your past experience, but also keep an open mind to make sure that that's going to kind of put you at the top where you want to be? Well, I can tell you it's the most challenging thing that I have to deal with anymore. And it bites me on a regular basis because I kind of do fish a little more recklessly. You know, I'm trying to find a winning pattern and, and do well. And You know, the Potomac River is a good example. It's a place that I've got a ton of history, and it's hard to not think about areas that are traditionally good, especially, you know, for that season of the year. Or you go to a place like Lake Gunnersville that I've been to just so many times, it's hard to forget the past. Where these young anglers, and myself included, when I go to a new body of water or early in my career, when I, I, I didn't know any better. I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to be fishing this area of the lake or a certain technique. And that's how a lot of our, our events are won is by, you know, that lack of inexperience and not knowing any better. And Rick Klung kind of said something to me early in my career that really struck me. He's like, you know, youth is one of the one of the greatest things because we're not, I, nobody told me that I'm not supposed to catch them or anything like that. In your mind, if you believe you're going to go do it, you just go out there and you, you just do it. I mean, and that's what these, uh, I see a lot of these young anglers, especially these aspiring college anglers that are going to a new place, you know, yeah, they can do some research online, but, you know, they go to a, a lake they've never been to before in a region of the country they've never been to before, and they see something that looks comfortable to them, and they go out there and they exploit it. You know, they use the same patterns and techniques that they've had success with at home, and they go to a new body of water and do something different and do well. They didn't know any better. They just did what their confidence told them to do and their comfort level was, and that's what you have to do. So having that vast experience and you know that I've had and the knowledge and the history and all that, it can be a benefit, but you, you got to use it wisely so that you still keep an open mind to the current conditions when you go there and don't get too set in your ways. And, and that's something I promise you, I, I struggle with it and all these bodies of water that I've been to multiple times in the past. You know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to forget history especially when you've had success <laughs> because yeah. it's always going to rely you know you want to you know we were all forming these habits right and and when we have these habits that provide that type of success it's hard not to do the same thing over and over and like you said when it bites you it's uh it's a little bit different but yeah these young anglers that are coming out you you take a guy like Jordan Lee you know obviously he's traveling all over the country now with the elite series and and having some really solid performance and he hadn't pr- Prior to, you know, his first tenure in fishing all the opens, you know, really had that regional experience. And now he's just uh, really crushing it and, and has huge amount of confidence in everything that he does. So it's interesting how those things kind of evolve uh, as different anglers, you know, you watch them throughout their career. True confidence, you can overcome an awful lot of things if you truly believe in what you're doing and how, and how you're doing it. And Jordan's a great example in that he's just going to these places and fishing his strengths, that, you know, techniques that he's got confidence in based on those conditions, and he's making it work when other guys trying to do the same thing aren't. And that's why I say and it's, it's 100% confidence that's allowing him to do that.
Good stuff. All right. It's time for our O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day listener question segment. And we've got a question right for you, Kevin. This comes from Bill in New York talking about some smallmouths. He wants to know, when locating smallmouth, it seems you primarily rely on reaction lures. How do you decide to move to other parts of the lake to find your style of bite or determine you may need to change the style you prefer to fish? Well, a lot of it is to do with the conditions, both you know the season of the year, the water temperature, the clarity, the seasonal pattern that the fish should be in. But the great thing about smallmouth is their nature is so different from a largemouth. I mean, they're so much more aggressive. They're a lot easier to trigger with some of these faster moving techniques. And just having the history that I've had growing up fishing for so long, it's easy for me to kind of understand that and exploit that. Where the same advantage a guy like Shaw Grisby or Bobby Lane would have for a Florida strain largemouth in Florida, they understand their moods, their their idiosyncrasies and, and how they can be. And those, those guys are really good when they go to those areas. And it's, it's kind of the same for me for smallmouth. But I kind of have a, a deal where if you fish for 10 minutes in one area with the same technique and you don't get a response from a smallmouth, you need to be moving on because if they're there, they're going to show themselves. I mean, they can't help it. And the biggest deal with smallmouth is just getting around where they're at. If Once you get around them, they're pretty easy to trigger into biting. And that's true not just with the northern Great Lakes smallmouth, but, you know, the same thing is through a table rock in, in Missouri. The difference is, is there's just such big populations in the northern lakes that it, it's easier to get around a group of them or it's easier to find a, a group of them. Well, Bill, there you go. Kevin Van Dam, greatest angler of all time, just answered your question. But, Bill, one thing I do need you to do is be sure to either log on to BassEdge.com, click the Claim Your Prize, or send us an email, support at BassEdge.com. Let us know that you heard your question answered on the show. Include your name, address, and phone number, and we will get out that O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. And as always, a reminder, Bass Edge listeners, you can go to the website, BassEdge.com, send in a question. We'll get it answered right here on the show from one of our great anglers in our Lucas Angler Spotlight, or you can email them at support at BassEdge.com or comment through our Facebook and Twitter page. Well, Kevin, it uh, certainly not lost on me as a fan of the sport of which Kurt and I are. I mean, I kind of feel a little bit we're not that too far removed from the Olympics, but uh, I'm certainly very thankful that you have a lot more of fishing career left in you because uh, uh, certainly like Michael Phelps, you are definitely one of the greatest of all times and I believe you have set bars that uh, probably we will never see broken at least in my lifetime. So I wanted to just thank you for being on the show and see if you have any final messages that you want to leave with Bass Edge Nation before we let you uh, back at your day. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing that uh, kind of really hit me this year It's because it's, it's really been a cool season this year, you know, to see Rick Klum start out with a win in the beginning of the year, Shortly after Edwin won the classic, which, you know, something that he's worked really hard to, to try to do. You know, we've, we've seen a lot of milestones already this year, and not just in wins, but in, you know, in performances throughout the season. The biggest thing that really hit me early on, because I've been doing this a long time, is when Rick said, don't let anybody ever tell you that your best days are behind you. That, that really hit home to me. And, you know, I, I've always felt like, I could compete at the top level and I'm out there to try to win. But there's a lot of people that question that say, well, is Kevin ever going to win again or anything? And, uh, you know, that really stuck with me. And I'm not saying it's motivated me or did anything like that, but it's something that I, that I keep in my mind. And, you know, it just goes to show you that if you believe in yourself, 
you can do anything. And when I started fishing in the beginning, a lot of people told me, hey, you're from Michigan, how the heck, you know, you're not going to be able to compete against these guys. It takes years of experience to go out there to be successful. I didn't listen to any of that. If you believe in yourself, great things can happen. I can emulate that. I saw uh, Charlie Hartley win a couple weeks ago at the James River, and uh, I thought, gummit, there's chance. I thanked him so much for winning that tournament. I was just like, hey, look, my time's going to come one day, and uh, I just got to keep believing that, Kevin, and uh, I'll believe it as long as you're out there showing everybody else that you can keep winning. I'm going to keep trying to win, too, and uh, it's been awesome having you on the show today. Good luck over there at the Mississippi River and uh, up in Minnesota at Millax. It should be a shootout closing out this 2016 season. Bass Edge is going to return after this quick break. I'm professional angler Michael Neal. Stay right here with Aaron and Kurt on Bass Edge Radio. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. So great conversation, as expected, with uh, the man himself, Kevin Van Dam, and uh, bringing a lot of uh, light onto the subject as far as something we've tapped on before, Aaron, angler identity. And, um, you know, just kind of his style and how he has adapted to fishing the way he does, maybe why he's the best of all time, because it's very hard to emulate his style. He's catching fish that other people can't catch or very difficult to to find because of the style that he fishes but when he talks about watching other people other folks you know he's talking about evers a little bit christy uh some of the other guys out there that also fish pretty fast so he's very adept as he mentioned he's just as much a fan of the sport watching as much as he can to always kind of learn and adapt and try and put things into his arsenal that other people are using successfully yeah no doubt and he said it many times he He loves what he does. He absolutely loves what he does. And I think certainly that passion as being a fan of the sport makes him who he is. And like you said, that angler identity. One of the things that did stick out, of course, there's so many. Anytime, you know, when he speaks or talks or has something to say, it's certainly worth listening to. But one thing that did really pop up on the radar screen was was his 10-minute rule. And he was talking specifically there about smallmouth, that he fishes a spot for 10 minutes. If there's no response, he moves on. So he even kind of employs that, even in the drop shotting scenario for smallmouth, uh, just doesn't stick around a lot. I mean, he's on the move all the time. Yeah, he's really just expecting those fish to be super aggressive. And if they're not, quite frankly, I think he's just, okay, forget you. I'm going to find somewhere else where they are aggressive. I I think that's his key. And and it works for him a lot. As he mentioned, though, you know, some of the experience can come back and bite him, you know. And uh, you see these new young anglers getting into the game that don't have 
have as much experience and just kind of do things because it feels right, not because they've seen it somewhere else in the past. And uh, that can help some of the anglers with kind of a more fresh outlook on what they're seeing. And uh, so I think it's important for all of us anglers to really look at that and understand that you've got to keep that mind open. As Mike Iaconelli said in the past, you know, fish the moment. And that's really what Kevin's talking about. You've got to rely on some experience, but at the same time, be willing to keep your mind open and free to attack the current conditions. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And uh, speaking of attacking the current conditions, Kurt, uh, those current conditions would be we are done. Finished complete with episode number 240. Very, very fun. Had a lot of good insight to leave with everybody. So for Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. I want to wish everybody an enjoyable rest of their September and we will see you October 1st. Fourth quarter already hard to believe. So long, everybody. know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology keel guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour providing the most dependable most trusted keel protection for your boat guaranteed for life so give your boat the performance edge put on the protection the pros pick keel guard keel protectors Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by O'Reilly Auto Parts, Mercury Marine, Lowrance, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.